good morning. I am so glad to see you this morning. Um, we are starting a brand new series today, and so you picked a great day to be here, and I am excited about this series. So I actually am here. I am a real person, and I, uh, I live, I move, I breathe in this life, and um, I do all of those things in front of other people, <laughs> which is why you can know me. You can actually know me. Um, and you can really know only though some of me by watching me and seeing what I do, but you can't know all of me by watching me. And so in an effort for me to know people better and for them to know me better, I usually have to talk to them. I have to use words. I have to say things. Uh, me personally, I sometimes, I sometimes talk a lot. Um, and I use words to describe myself, to describe my life, uh, to describe uh, like who I am, to help you understand uh, what motivates me in life, to help you understand uh, just more about me. And eventually, um, if you hang around long enough, you will begin to understand what drives me. Um, you'll begin to understand kind of those things that are at my core. Now, give me enough time you will know my character because you will match that up with what I do, with my words. Uh, you'll better understand me um, because I'm going to use words. If we're in a friendship, I'm going to use words to help describe who I am, all those things on the inside. Now, sometimes, usually those words are spoken, but sometimes those words are written down. You know, sometimes they're in a journal and you will write things and describe things. That's me anyway. I'm not sure about you, but describe things about myself. Um, because after all, in life, I really do want to be known. I want uh, not just to be known by you, but I also, um, I want to understand these things that are happening all around me. I want to understand understand you. I want to understand the things around me so that I can just kind of make sense out of this world. Um, I have that desire. I want to kind of put things together. I want to know how it all works out, how it all fits together, how it functions together. There's something inside of me that wants to understand how the things around me all work together, how it fits, how it works, what holds it together, what keeps those things together. And to help me understand things like that, I have what I can see around me. But still, I need some help with that. I actually also, I'm going to need some words to help me understand what's going on around me. I need some words for that. Um, because I can't get it all just based upon what I see. So, I guess to summarize all of that, words help you understand me, and words help me understand you, and it helps me understand the world around me. Words are pretty powerful that way. I, more than likely, you can relate to that as well. That's not just me. We all have a similar desire to be known and understood by some people. Not everybody necessarily, but by some people. And I think that desire was God-given. I think God gave each of us that desire, that invisible force inside of us that not only wants us to make sense of the world around us, but something inside of us wants us to understand God 
more. Because let's face it, we don't come with that information hardwired inside of us when we land on this earth. We don't have that. We just simply have the desire pre-installed. That desire to somehow connect with the divine. To better understand God. To better understand whatever is out there beyond us. Now, sometimes we run towards that drive. Sometimes we turn our back on that drive and ignore it. And sometimes during our lives, some seasons, we run away from that drive and we go the other direction. And all of this can be so difficult. Because, listen, we're talking about connecting with God. We're talking about knowing God who is absolute truth, who is absolute power. And so, yeah, that can be confusing. Of course it can. Because we can't physically see God with our eyes. We can't reach out and touch God. So how do we get to know a being like that? Now, that's a really big question. Huge question. It may be one of the biggest questions of life, very possibly. But thankfully... I am so glad about this. God actually wants to be known by us. I love that. And Jesus is a huge part of us getting to know God. And now think about it. If somebody can predict their own death and predict their resurrection and then pull that off, well, I think that means that we might be able to trust what that person says about themselves at the very least. We can trust that. So if someone did that, if someone said that and did that and pulled it off, then I really think that we should take the opportunity to learn as much as we can about that person. So with that in mind, um, there's this one point in Scripture where Jesus makes a statement and John, his disciple, heard it and he wrote it down. And here's the statement that Jesus made. He said, I am the light of the world. And for me, when you hear that, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I hear that phrase, okay, Jesus, you're the light of the world. And I think, okay, good, but so what? I mean, that doesn't really sound like all that big of a deal. I mean, it's cool, but it kind of sounds elementary. Okay, Jesus, you're the light of the world, because we have that song, right? This little... Of, and I'm going to let it, yeah, right. We have, so it kind of sounds elementary, right? Kind of Jesus light, L-I-T-E. That's what it sounds like to me. So, okay, Jesus, you are the light of the world. I've heard that. I've kind of seen that. I've been there, done that. So what's next? Let's go on and let's learn some other things. Because, listen, surely you want to give me something more than just Jesus, your your light of the world. So let's move on to some better things, deeper things. But before we do, I just think it would be so smart for us with this series to slow down. I think it would be smart to slow down because, again, if somebody can predict their death and predict their resurrection and then go on to pull that off, and then they describe themselves in this whole process as being the light, then I think we should understand what more that means for him to be the light. Because here's been kind of our premise for this whole year. 
the more we know him, we believe the more you're going to love him. And the more you love him, the more you'll want to follow him. And I believe the more you follow him, the more you'll become like him. And the more you'll become like yourself, the self that he created and designed you to be. Now, seven months ago, let me give you a disclaimer. Seven months ago, we taught on the passage that I'm going to be using this morning. But I just don't feel like we can start this series in any other way. So we're going to use this same passage. But good for you, it is not the same teaching we taught seven months ago. There is plenty of room in this passage for us to teach again. And that's what we're going to be doing. See, in this passage, God is giving us, through the disciple John, some of the deepest understanding of who God actually is. And so some of those questions that we grow up with about God and about who he is, well, John gives us some answers in these five verses that we're going to look at today. Because we can see through these verses that God does want to be known, and that's pretty convenient. Because guess what? I want to know him, and I believe you do too. And so what we're going to be looking at is not Jesus light, L-I-T-E, it's Jesus light, L-I-G-H-T. And we're going to be reading five, from five verses, and they are, in my opinion, among the most profound verses in all of Scripture. Now, they're given to us by God's Spirit through the personality of John the Disciple. And John is using such precise language with ev almost every single word that is chosen, especially in these five verses. God's Spirit is kind of turning up the light for us to see a little more clearly about who God is. And what we find is complex and what we find is deep and what we find is, in my opinion, amazing. And I believe that God wants to make sure that we understand it more. I really do. I believe he wants to make sure we understand it. So, God wants you to understand. I want to understand. And what we're going to find in these five verses is really a, 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 an amazing foundation for who God is. Now, watch this. So here we are in John 1 and verse 1. And John starts out by saying, in the beginning. Now, that kind of sounds familiar, right? And I think he does that on purpose because in Genesis 1-1, we have the first creation. And now John is in writing John 1-1, and he's talking about a new creation. And here's what John says, in the beginning, the word already existed. Now, there's a few ways um, to understand that, to say that. Uh, some translations say, in the beginning was the word. Um, and another translation, I really like this. It says, in the beginning, the word already was. I really like that. In the beginning, the word already was. Now, I want us to slow down, though. And in the translation we're using, I want us to look at these two words um, that were highlighted on the screen. And here are the words. It already existed. So in the beginning, the word already existed. Now, those two words in English are just one word in Greek. 
And that one word in Greek, here's what it means, literally, it means, I exist, I am. Now hold on to your armrest, because we're going to get our Greek out, our geek out on our Greek out, and this is what we're going to do. So this Greek tense of this verb, of those two words, already existed, that Greek tense refers to something that happened in the past, but it's still going on today. All right, now let's apply that tense to those two words and that phrase, the word already existed. And here's the deeper meaning of that phrase. This is what God is saying through the words of John. He's saying, I exist. I am the word before the beginning. I am the word still today. And I am the word for every tomorrow. John is saying with this that the word, whatever that is at that moment, and in this moment he's writing, the word never had a starting point. That is so important. And the word is never completed. Wow. John is saying that the word, whatever that might be, that the word is greater than all things. The word is greater than all time, and the word eternally is changeless. Wow. All of that from this one little Greek word, which in English means already existed. All right, so we slowed down to look at that one Greek word, and for us, already existed is what it means in English, and I love the depth of that meaning, but let's slow down again, because there's another word I want you to look at. We're going to back up to an earlier word. I want you to look at the word in the beginning. We're going to look at the word beginning, because with that word, there's two meanings for John, and John means both of these things. The first thing is, yes, it means uh, kind of the start of history, and yeah, John means that with that phrase. In the beginning, in the start of history, he means that. But he also means this second meaning for the word beginning, because it also means an origin. It means to create. And so John is also saying this, in the beginning, at the origin, when creation was taking place. So what the word in the beginning means. And John means both of those things. So now here's what I want to do. This is so cool. To me, this is so cool. Now this morning, if you struggle with paying attention, um, there's a little place right here under this soft tissue on your arm. If you give it a little pinch, you'll wake back up, I promise. But I don't want to put you to sleep because I think the meanings and, and this greater meaning of what we're looking at to me, is profound. So we're going to take what I just told you and we're going to apply it to what I just told you on the video. By the way, forget the Christmas stuff. I didn't record that at Christmas. Uh, our VBS theme was Christmas. So um, we recorded that last week. That's what the Christmas trees were about. Now, I'm sorry. So in the beginning, we're going to take that and we're going to apply it to the two words in English, but the one Greek word, which means already existed. So what I just told you applied to that. And here's what Paul, I'm, I'm sorry, here's what John, the disciple, is saying. There never was a time when the word was not. He's also saying this. There never was a thing that did not depend on the word for its existence. 
Now, through John, God's Spirit is saying this. I exist. I am the Word before the beginning, still today, and for every tomorrow. Let me say that again. Here's what God is letting us know with just those two words. He's saying, I exist. I am the Word before the beginning ever happened. I am the word still today, and I am the word for every tomorrow. Now, just in case you missed this, to me, one of the most amazing things happens here. Okay, gentlemen on the front row, do y'all remember when... God is taking the Israelites out of Egypt. He's talking to Moses. And Moses is like, hey, 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 what are we going to call you? What does he tell them his name is? Starts with an I, two words. He says, anybody know? I am. He says, my name is, you just tell them, I am. Sent you. Now that to me sounds like, okay, God, we're missing something grammatically. <laughs> but that's what he says. He says, you just tell them, I am sent you. All right. Now for me, look at this phrase again. The word already existed. And so if we go to a very strict, literal translation, we kind of see this hidden jewel. These Greek words placed together. So here's just a very literal translation of that. It says, I am the word. And as we think about that, God is saying, the word is I am. Oh my goodness. I, 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 I love that. God is the word. The word is God. And I think to myself about John, the fisherman disciple. And I think, oh John, what beautiful writing. Now, John's biography that he wrote, the Gospel of John, is among the last books that were written in the New Covenant that we have. By date, if you look at them by date. It was completed somewhere around 95 B.C. By the time he wrote that, he was also really pretty much the last remaining disciple who had not been martyred. And so he writes this book. So John has all of these years, since his is around the last one to be written, he has all of these years to really, um, to really think about the words that he's using and how he's describing. And so John has an amazing use of words in his biography. Now, throughout this biography, he's going to clar clarify 
um, everything, and he's going to simplify it at the same time. But when I say simplified, don't think of it as simple because it is tied directly to the profound. And constantly, as we move through the book of John, looking for everywhere the, the disciple John or, or him recording the words of Jesus, everywhere that we find something mentioned about light or darkness, that's what we're going to do this month. We're going to look at every single one. We're going to find ourselves wondering after we read those things. We're going to find ourselves wondering, did I actually grasp everything that God's Spirit was trying to communicate through the words and the personality of John? Did I actually grasp it and understand it? And listen, we're not even finished with verse 1 yet. So hang on with me. Don't let me lose you. Let me give you just a little bit of context here. John is primarily writing this biography to Jews. Now, Jews were monotheistic. That means they served one single God, and that was actually a, a kind of a pillar of their religion. Um, the Jews basically were the only people for a millennia who had one single God. Now, the next verse that we're going to read that's written here by John, the next verse, there is um, what I would say is a revelation by God's Spirit, and it's almost as if John, it, it, it's almost as if John is saying that God could be saying something like this. Hey, listen, John. Hey, listen, Israel. Um, there is more to your understanding of monotheism, of one God, there's more to your understanding of this one God than you have ever been able to comprehend. There's more to it. And so hang on, and here's where John goes next. Verse 1, this is the second part of verse 1. John says, the word was with God. So, with in order to be with, there has to be something separate, right? So the word is not identical to God. The word was with God, kind of alongside of God. So somehow, in these words, John is saying uh, that there is something separate about God. And there is something separate and that is with, alongside of God. So it's separate, but with. And then John finishes that sentence, and the word was God. So it's not just alongside of God. Whatever is alongside of God is completely God. The word, which is with, alongside of God, is fully God, but somehow separate, but yet one. Somehow, in this just two passages, we discover that this word, whatever it is, is separate but with God. So somehow, completely, just one monotheistic one God. Watch this. Um, so listen, everyone, just for a second, do me a favor. 
and, and this is going to be hard for you to do, but just try to maybe put yourself in the position of a first century Jewish believer, a first century Jewish believer. I know not easy to do, it's hard to think about, but just, just try for just a second to put yourself in the position of a first century Jew. Your entire belief system, your entire belief system, everything about your culture. In fact, really the biggest thing that separates your culture from all of your neighbor's culture is the fact that you have a monotheistic belief system. A monotheistic belief system meaning that you believe that there is one creator, God. And then, think about it, first century Jewish perspective, monotheistic belief system, you read that John, the apostle, John, someone that spent several years with Jesus, he wrote this. He said that the Word was with God and that the Word was God. I mean, look, you would immediately see that John is making a really special emphasis by writing these words. In fact, what you would probably immediately see as a first century Jew with that monotheistic background, you would see that there's not just something divine about the Word. He is God. And yet, and yet, though separate, somehow the Father and the Word remain one. Now, this is huge. We don't necessarily see that as much today, but man, to a first century Jewish believer, they would have seen that and they would have gone, wow, this is almost a brand new theology. I mean, this is a definite realignment or a definite uh, re focusing of something that you've always believed. This is, this is different. This is new. And now, John's going to go on, and in his writing, he's actually going to basically repeat the very same thing as if he's trying to emphasize it for his readers. This is what John writes. He says, he, speaking of the word, he existed in the beginning with God. Did you catch that? See, if you were a first century Jewish believer, you probably would have caught that. See, John adds a little something to that second verse. John says that the Word, the one that was with God and is God, John says that the Word is a He. He has always been distinct from God, separate from God, but one with God. God perfectly joined. Now, John actually keeps writing on into verse 3, and this is what he says. He writes that God created everything through Him. So he, who John has already talked about, the Word, he is a part of creating everything. This would have been life-changing. This would have been belief-altering to a first-century Jewish believer. I mean, this is the picture that John is painting with these first few words in his biography of the life of Jesus. John's painting this picture that God the Father created through God the Word. See, this Greek word that John uses right here, this specific Greek word that we have translated in our English translations as created, that word actually means an event that was completed in the past. So, with the blessing and the plan and the intent of the Father, the Word is the creator at creation. Then John goes on and he says this. He says, and nothing was created except through Him. Who is him? Well, him's the word. Now, this is important, though. We, we got we to gotta kind of geek out on a little bit of this Greek language one more time. Because, see, we don't see this in the English language. Because in our English translation, the word created is created. And we see it twice. But see, in Greek, 
this word here, the second time that this word created is used, it actually means, and the creation event is still impacting us to this very day. So what's a clarifying statement from that? Because you may be sitting there right now, as Harley said earlier, you're kind of grabbing onto your armrests and your head spinning. Here's a clarifying statement to that. Everything from the past and up to this very point in time that you and I are experiencing right now, all of it owes its existence to the person here that John calls the Word. Both the Father and the Word were at work in a creation past event, but they're also still at work today creating a new creation. See, what John is saying is that the Father created, but he did it through the Word. And they're still at work right now. I mean, that is amazing. With just a few little words that we really dig down on and unpack and put the microscope on, we see that God communicates a lot. I love how much he communicates. And so what Cole is talking about there, talking about how God created through God the Word. All right? So let's take a quick peek at that event. And, and it's an event, as Cole said, that took place in the past, but it's an event that took place in the past but somehow still impacts us today because the Father and the Word are still at work right now, today. So let's go back to that event. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that's what John was talking about. He gave us more information about that. Now it goes on verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness was all over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Think of that as hovering over the chaos. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. Do you realize that that's actually the first quote that we have from God? Let there be light. So according to God's spirit, that speaking through John as he's writing this biography, that's also the first quote we have of this God being called the word. Let, literal translation, let light be. What a great quote. The first words from God, the word, the first recorded words from the word, let light be. And there was light. The first recorded words of the word involved his light, which was, by the way, created by him. Now we find this, as I just said, recorded in Genesis, but now let's go back to this new beginning, this new creation, back to John chapter 1, and we are now at verse 4. The Word gave life to everything that was created. This is interesting to me that John continues to describe whatever this being is that is somehow separate from God but with God and completely God. He continues to describe it as the word. He describes it as language, as 
communication. And there's something about that that tells me that it is within God's very nature that he wants to reveal himself to humans. He wants us to understand him. He wants us to know him more, his creation. And you know, we are created in the image of God. And we too, as we talked about in the beginning, we too use words to describe ourselves. We use words to let other people know what we're thinking, especially if you're talking about a journal. We use words that one day someone will read telling people what we were thinking. It appears that God is using his words to describe to us his thoughts in some way that we can understand. Now, to me, you know what that says? It says that God, no matter what I may think sometimes, God is not aloof. He reveals himself and he wants to be known. But listen, we, we must never forget, though. God gets to choose how and when he reveals himself. And not me. That's the work of God. And John tells us that what he reveals, this word, this God that is with God, what he reveals is more than information. He says, these are words of life. Now, Cole had us pause and think a moment from the perspective of the original hearers and readers of this biography. Let's do that again. Because for the original audience that John was writing to, when they heard these things, the word, um, the word was creating, the word was revealing, it's not just an attribute of God that they're thinking. It's not just a character of God that, that John was describing. It's not just an activity of God that he's describing. When the original, uh, the, the, the first century Jew, when he was hearing that, they were tracking with John. Here's probably what they would have been thinking according to historians. They would be thinking, yeah, yeah, John, the word. Yes, the word. This is this one powerful God that we serve, this monotheistic God. Yes, the word. And John is making a case for this God that he just described now that has some characteristic of being with, that this God is one God. And there's a part of me that's like, okay, I hear this, I read this, I look at this, and I'm like, okay, John, why are you making such a big deal out of this one God? And here's the point, I think. There's a lot of wordplay that John's using, and we're like, well, what's, what's the big deal? But perhaps this is why it's so significant, because we're just in verse 4. But if you skip ahead, we're not going to do it. I'm just going to tell you what is ahead. If you skip ahead 10 verses to verse 14, John gives this audience, this first century audience, some information that changes everything they've ever understood about God. 
And here's what John writes. This may sound familiar to you. John writes, and the word, okay, yeah, John, we're with you. The word and the first century Jews would be, yeah, 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 we're with you, John. The word, okay, yes, God. He says, and the word became flesh and lived among us. And at that point, I could almost imagine jaws dropping for that first century Jew. Wait a minute, John. Wait a minute. Are, are, are you saying what I think you're saying, John? I, I mean, are, are you making the declaration that I feel like and it sounds like you're making to which John might just smile and say, yeah, my Jewish friends, the word became flesh. God put on human flesh. The creator God came down to us as Jesus. You see, the word is not only an activity of God, a language of God, a thing, an attribute, but the word is a being. God putting on the flesh of his creation. And you know, for us, as we read through this, it's like, yeah, we have, we have thousands of years of theology to fall back onto. So yeah, we're saying, yeah, of course, John, we know where you're going with this. But to a first century Jew, this was, this was astounding. Because for John's first century reading and listening, Jews listening and reading this, they have not yet connected the word with Jesus of Nazareth until now, verse 14. Until then, they were just thinking, yeah, John, right, a supreme being, God, that's our God, our one God. I mean, it's, it's his power, his word, his power. That's God at work. This is the God of Israel that we have served for always. That's, that's who you're talking about, John. That's, that's it, the God that we know. And then John drops this bombshell saying, no, 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 no. It's more than that. The word of God became flesh, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Jaws would drop. And thinking of the beauty, of the writing of this fisherman disciple, John, the craftsmanship, John. Oh, who would have known through God's spirit, a master writer, wow. See, you and I read verses 1 through 13, and we kind of have that in the back of our mind. Yeah, we know Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh. God put on the flesh of man. We read that with the understanding of verse 14. But when the first century Jews heard that in verse 14, they would then have to go all the way back to the beginning, which we're not. But they would have to go all the way back to the beginning, and now they would understand, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Ah, I see what you're saying, John. Everywhere he says the word, he's saying Jesus of Nazareth who is God and with God, separate from God, but yet somehow still just one God. We serve one God. They could go back to the beginning and now begin to understand what all of that was and what John was saying because now they had the key. The word has a name. 
Jesus of Nazareth. Wow. The Son of God. Watch this. And now John continues. He says, and his life. Now we know this is the word. And since verse 14, we understand that this is Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. And so John is saying, and his life, the word, Jesus of Nazareth, brought light to everyone. Now think about that. Brought light to everyone. And my mind kind of rushes back to that very first recorded moment where we have the word, the first words of the word, which now we know since verse 14 is the first words of Jesus of Nazareth recorded in all of history, the first words, the one who will eventually, uh, according to John's biography, he tells us will eventually be called by himself. He'll say that he is the light. So here we have this. And, and now don't miss this. It's going to be on the screen for you. The light whose first quote is, let there be light. Whose first quote is, let light be brought us his light to everyone. Wow. These words, they're just a masterpiece. They're amazing. So God's spirit, through the writer of John, he's preparing the way for what's going to continue to develop through this biography that John is writing, that Jesus is the life bringer. He is the light bearer. And that light, all the light that we have, whether it's enlightenment or whether it's even, we could even say physical light, all the light that we have, we have and we owe to the word. Whether we walk into that light or whether we turn our backs on that light. Okay, so now on to verse 5. So again, John writing. Uh, he's kind of setting the tone for everything that he's going to say in the rest of his biography about Jesus. John says this. He says that the light, Harley just talked about, the light shines in the darkness. Now that, that was probably on your screen. The light shines in the darkness. Now, right here, did you notice how John has kind of switched to the present tense? He says, shines in the darkness. Okay, once again, quick grammar lesson. Yeah. Got to apologize. A lot of Greek grammar lessons today. Um, but the Greek present tense actually means an action in the past that is continually in action up to this very day. So the day that you and I are actually recording yeah. this segment right now. That's the Greek present tense of this word that, that John has specifically chosen to use. Which means that what John is saying in this uh, is this. And this is going to be on your screen. John is saying that the light of the world... The light of men was shining then at creation, and it has never ceased to shine up to this very day. And John then also tells us what the purpose of this light is. He tells us that the purpose of the light, and this is so important because John is really going to unpack all of this in the rest of his biography. But he tells us that the purpose of the light is to shine in the darkness because... The light opposes the darkness. It dispels the darkness. And it exposes what is in the darkness. 
Now, that is something that, as we just said, John is going to go back to this over and over again in his biography. He's really going to unpack this in his biography. But what John is telling us right here in the first few verses of his biography of the life of Jesus of Nazareth, the Word, as he calls him, is that the very essence of light is to shine. So we have this light that shines in the darkness. That's what the verse is saying. The light shines in the darkness. So let's quickly flash back again. So that's the new creation. Let's go back to the first creation, Genesis chapter 1. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So we find God separating that. There's a difference. They are distinct. Light from darkness, they're not the same. They are separate, two different things. And um, they were separate then at creation, number one. And John is saying they are still separate today at this new creation, this new beginning. So let's go back to this new beginning with John. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That is a beautiful turn of phrase. But even more beautiful, as we understand, as he says it shines, that's, that is a, a word that means in the present, right now, it is shining right now. He's not alluding to anything in the past this time. It shines right there in the present. And the, and, and the darkness did not extinguish it, is looking now, so it shines now, and he's looking backwards to something that happened previously. So it's shining now, but something previously happened that tried to extinguish that flame. So it's a past event that is over. So when we put these two phrases together, here's what that looks like. It's pointing to this, uh, this moment right now that the light is shining. But then when he says, and the darkness didn't extinguish it, it's, he, he's saying it was also shining then. It's shining now. It was shining then. And Jesus, so Jesus is here shining now. He was shining then. And he's looking at this moment where Jesus went to the cross and darkness had its way with Jesus at that past event. But darkness did not extinguish the light then. And we know this because Jesus rose again, which means he's still shining today in the present. And here's what, here's all I can kind of think about these five verses. What amazing things that God chooses to reveal about himself all of these things in five little verses that open up this biography of Jesus according to John. These are amazing things about God, astounding things about God, about God the Father, about God the Son. And here's how we get it. It comes to us through God's Spirit who is writing through the personality of John. These things in these five verses are amazing, vital parts of the foundation of God as he begins to redeem 
once and for all his broken creation. And we're going to see through this month that John is going to take these themes and he's going to develop those themes further. Now, we're getting ready to flash uh, several things on the screen. And if you're someone who wants to try to remember some of these as uh, kind of word for word, you might just take a picture of one of these screens as these flash on. Because I don't know if you're like me, but when sometimes when I'm reading a book that's not a fiction, which is 99.9% of the books I read, nonfiction. When I hit the end of a chapter, if it gives me a summary, I'm like, oh, thank you. You helped me think again about what you just told me and all of that. And so think of what's getting ready to happen as kind of a summary of what we just discovered together in those five verses of John. And we're going to put those on the screen. Here's the first thing we discovered. God uses words about the word to help us understand him more. I just find that amazing. Here's what else we discovered. God's word is a person, the son, Jesus. Here's what else we discovered. God's word, Jesus, is distinct from God the Father and yet completely God. They are still just one God. The word, God's son, is not only present at creation, but the Father is creating through the Son's words. And God's Son brought life and light to everyone then at creation, number one, and still today. He did it at creation when he came. He did it when he came to the earth as Jesus he brought light again, and he's still bringing light to this very day. And we learn this. The light from God's Son up to this very point opposes darkness, dispels darkness, exposes darkness. And darkness will never overcome the light of God's Son. It didn't then because obviously Jesus walked out of the tomb. He was alive after he was stone cold dead. And darkness won't overcome his light today. And it never will in the future. And if you begin to understand this, all of that packed in those five verses, if you begin to understand that, then my friends, you are understanding a piece of God. But it is a mere glimpse. It is just simply a peak into who God is. And he gave it to us using words. And yet, there is so much here. I believe this morning, we leave these five verses wondering, did I get all the glimpse that God's spirit had for me? And I think the answer would be, I bet I haven't yet. We can never go into God's word without saying, what does that mean for me today? Information without application always leads to frustration. And so we have some homework today. 
Because we have to turn this into something that does something inside of our lives. This information about who God is that God's Spirit wrote through the personality of John the disciple. What does this mean for me today? And that is our question that we leave for this week. What difference does that information mean for me? What did it mean for me yesterday? What does it mean for me today? And I kind of think of this like an impression. I am artsy-fartsy. I'm a little weird. I think of it kind of like an impressionist painting. When you're looking up close at an impressionist painting, all you see are brush strokes, dots, slashes of color. But the further you step back, the more that picture comes into focus and you understand, oh, I'm looking at haystacks in a field. I'm looking at uh, uh, lily pads in a pond. Up close, you're like, that's just a bunch of dots of color. And so what we need to do this week is now take what we looked at up close, and this week we want you to take a further view, step back and take a further view so that you can see the masterpiece that is within these five verses. I think if we were to summarize everything today into one statement a statement of encouragement. Here is what I would say. When the light comes on, we should take a closer look. And that's what I hope you'll do this week. So this week, here's the homework related to what we talked about this morning. This week, will you read those five verses every day? Just read them every day. But please don't stop with that. Would you please read on all the way through verse 18? We're not covering those in this series. But oh boy, do they go with the first five verses. So would you read the first 18 verses? Just read it once a day. Just kind of read it slowly once a day. And when you do, would you pause and think deeply about what John has written? And then while you're paused each day, would you talk to God about those 18 verses? And then while you're paused, thinking deeply about them and talking to God about them, would you just simply in that moment, praise God because of those verses. Would you do that? And then ask yourself, how did these verses impact me yesterday? And how will I allow them to impact my life today? And here's my closing question. And this would be our question, maybe each day. Are you in his light? Or turning your back on his light through every thought, every decision, every action that we take today? This is Jesus, the light, not Jesus' light. L-I-T-E. Let's pray. Father, thank you 
for your words. I am so grateful for these words that you gave us and had written through John. Thank you. In the beginning was the word. The word already existed. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Thank you. God, our Father, who sent God the Son, the light, to this earth. And may we get to know you more and understand you more this week because of the words that you gave us. And it is in the name of Jesus, the light of the world, that we pray these things. Amen.